speaking of home, we're going to be speaking with someone in a moment who is home. And just based on the advanced notice that people have been getting, a lot of folks are tuning in just to hear him. Just to hear him connect us to the Holy Land. Here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app from Martinex Studios on this Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Uh, Rabbi Fass has uh, agreed to uh, forego his usual theme song uh, so that we can get directly into our conversation. After all, in the, in the diaspora, we read Parsha Shlach this week, and the annual tradition is that Rabbi Fass, who's with us on a regular basis, thank God, but he always clears his schedule and makes time for us uh, when it's the week of Parsha Shlach, even if that's exclusive to the diaspora as opposed to uh, what they'll be reading in Israel this coming Shabbat. Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua Josh Fass is co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. He leads an organization that has been instrumental, not even not even a, a good enough word, frankly, but we'll say instrumental in bringing uh, tens of thousands of Olim, uh, people from North America who want to live in the Holy Land, uh, to Israel over the last quarter of a century. Rabbi Yoshua Fass, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. It's great to be on. How you doing? Baruch Hashem. Thank God. Things are uh, things are uh, are moving forward. Baruch Hashem. Things are uh, are wonderful. And uh, you know, I got I got I, I said yesterday as I was as I was talking on the air, uh, doing a little monologue about um, uh, how far back we go and some of the things we're proud of uh, having accomplished together, and how you've been there for me, even the most even during the most difficult times, including over the last few months, and I did mention including just a day or two after the fire of March 27th as well, so I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, as I'm doing all this, I, I said I am going to drift at some point into my tirade, or maybe I should say rant. Tirade sounds a bit too strong, but my rant about the current condition that for 14 consecutive weeks, we have a discrepancy in what's being read in the Torah in Israel and what's being read in the Torah in the diaspora. And Rabbi Fass, I, I think we have the same conversation every single year. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so funny because yesterday I said to myself, I actually said to the listeners yesterday, I would assume I had the same tirade and the same observations in past years, but I don't know. It seems so fresh to me. It seems like it seems like I just discovered it and discovered some of the reasons why it might be. So so give me a minute just to express what I'm feeling. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Rant. <laughs> give me a minute to express I'm, what I'm feeling. I'm here for you. I'm here for you, my friend. <laughs> to express what I'm feeling. And then you'll tell me, and you don't have to tell me if it's new information or not. You'll just tell me if, in fact, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on to something or not. I, I have a feeling just like, and I said this at the Young Israel Forest Hills, Rabbi Schreier gave me an opportunity to speak over Shavuos. And uh, I think the crowd, you know, s sort of agreed with it. Uh, just like in Jewish history, uh, one has to admit that uh, that the Jewish tradition has been Western Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere centric. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about going out to the sukkah and we're showing our commitment to God because the weather is getting worse and we're building the sukkah that time of year. Well, in Australia, it's spring. And they, and they, and they likely, you know, are not looking at, at it from that perspective. Perspective. But of course, it's always based on this area of the world from Israel and West uh, that all of and on the northern hemisphere that all of this has been created. And of course, when uh, when when we talk about uh, Chag Ha'aviv, right, we talk about Pesach and the uh, and that we want that to be in the springtime. Obviously, in other parts of the world, it may not be necessarily so. So I think 
that this whole thing with the Parshiot, where there are certain guidelines, I don't want to say rules, but I'll say guidelines about what Parsha should be read when, Devarim before Tishabav, Bamidbar before Shavuos, and we follow all of that, right? And that's why we have this discrepancy. Uh, it is amazing that that is all diaspora-based. That is all from an era or from many eras in Jewish history where diaspora was the center of Judaism. And now, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was almost irrelevant that in Israel they weren't following those rules because there are times when those two rules that I just mentioned and others that have to do with the parishes are not followed in Israel because of the calendar makeup. That's just the reality. And with that in mind, and with the fact that now, now the Jewish world is Israel-centric, now the true capital of the Jewish world is Israel and Jerusalem. One cannot deny that. And the majority of Jews are living in Israel. And, and this entire shift has taken place, I would say, over the last 15 years to really be solidified in the way that people think of Israel as the center of the Jewish world. With all that in mind, Rabbi Fass, I just think that at this point, when Pesach ends, we have to make a commitment to read two parshios in the diaspora and simply catch up immediately because the center of the Jewish world and the future of the Jewish people is in Israel. And I think that this discrepancy holds us back from realizing that. Uh, now that I've read... I, I, w- I, I would argue the opposite. I would argue the opposite. Ever watch a movie where the volume was a little bit off, like a millisecond yeah. from the visual, mm-hmm. or when it's dubbed really badly? Mm-hmm. There is a lank, lack of synchronicity, right. or there is a lack of an alignment. And I think in a world that things are easy and things feel right wherever you are, I think it's good to have sometimes reminders that you're not aligned and that it is a bit off. It, uh, it it pulls us in a direction of wanting to calibrate our compass, wanting to calibrate our lives. I think it's good to be not aligned for a, for for a bit. That's my two cents. But this non and, and even by, though you're even though it's going to push you to rant even more. Right. But that, that, <laughs> and, those are my two cents. And by the way, just like I've said this in the past, I think you've said that in the past, frankly. But anyway, yeah. I just, but but the what but the sadness is. That if we go with your theory that this is actually you know a good thing, that you know it's not like we're off and 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 bending the rules toward Israel. We're off and bending the, and bending the rules toward Correct. the diaspora. That's what's so sad about it. So if it was like a positive, I think I, I, think, I think unfortunately it reflects <laughs> the truth of where we default right. in our, in the diaspora experience. But yeah. that's for a whole other conversation <laughs> and a whole other tirade. <laughs> Yes, I agree with you. We'll do that maybe during our Jewish calendaric trivia segment. Uh, So uh, we'll get to Parsha Shlach in a moment, but I would be remiss if I didn't uh, make two observations. Uh, The first being that, I mean, you're in the brand new center. I was, in fact, that was the last time I was in Israel was the day I spent spent with you at the big celebration in November. And it just seems from the information we're getting and the people we're speaking to, it just seems you're able to do so much more. You were doing so much in your old location, but it seems like you're able to do so much more, not just hosting events for, for, for outsiders and, and for yourselves. I'm talking about practical courses and meetings and bringing in uh, people from around the world who are now... It has been, it has been transformative. We are not just servicing Olim, we're educating about Aliyah and on Zionism and on Israel. We're celebrating Zionism and Aliyah. We're advocating, and it's just been remarkable. We have high school students and gap programs and seminaries. We've had soldiers, we've had programs, we've had 
working with municipalities. We've had 2,000 Ukrainian refugees being processed for Aliyah here. It's just every day we have hundreds of people who are in our center. Um, I don't know who anyone is, but it, it's, <laughs> been, it's been remarkable. I didn't expect it to have this traction so soon after we opened the doors, but it's just been incredible to see. And incredible to see that it's working at full capacity around the clock, literally. And for those and, who are, have uh, not had, impact. for those who have not the opportunity to be there, um, but are familiar with the geography of Jerusalem, it's right next to Cinema City and the location's amazing. And by the way, uh, you talk about education and all the different conferences and the, uh, and the gatherings. It, it seems also you're able to put together courses and, and, uh, and meetings that lead to more employment. One of the things you've always been uh, paying attention to since uh, Nefesh Benefesh started was making sure that Olim uh, have uh, opportunities, have employment opportunities in Israel. And it just seems that you're able to, that people are able to network better and you're able to provide more information regarding different courses and advancement in employment because Absolutely. of where you are. So, but, which Absolutely. Is, what's more important than that? I mean, that's such a key to families uh, moving to Israel and, and, and thriving in Israel. What's more important than uh, employment and education? The second thing, of course, I'll say, and this uh, I, I think is, again, obvious to those who've been following what's happening during the pandemic and now what I'll hopefully call post-pandemic, and that is that people are still moving to Israel. Every single time you and I have spoken over the last, last quarter of a century, I have tossed out theories of why uh, a specific period of time would lead to a lull in Aliyah, and of course, you've argued the opposite, and you've always been right. And, and during this pandemic and now post-pandemic, and now with the reinstitution of a big charter flight and the ability to celebrate together. And, and that literally means together, because as you know, not just my listeners, but as you know, people are watching from around the world when charter flights land in Israel. Uh, it's just an, uh, amazing that all of this momentum has been able to continue. And uh, it m must be for you, as I said yesterday on the air, must be for you an amazing feeling that you're starting off such an incredible summer. It's invigorating. It's great to have the personal connection with Olim again and to be there right now, a group flight just landed wow. and it's the first time in forever that our staff is there welcoming a group flight and I'm getting videos from on the plane as we speak right now Woo! and messages and pictures. It's amazing of just our staff on the plane with a group of Olim and, and it's just starting and it's great to almost pick up where we left, even though during this time we've had the most, the largest number of Olim make Aliyah in, in, Israel's history in 50 years. Wow. We had around 4,600 Olim make Aliyah last year, and the momentum is continuing. So it's uh, it's really it's it's fantastic to feel that energy, to be able to connect to person person to person, and to be able to celebrate this momentous move. Yeah, well, so it's great. We're very excited about this summer. The mega event has been virtual, but we will not allow, the Jewish people will not allow for these flights and uh, participation in the flights to be virtual. We need people at the airport with the big celebration and greeting those who are coming in with their families and making Aliyah. And thank God, by the way, and, and I'm sure this, this is not lost on you, thank God, I assume the airport authorities thought long and hard about how to do this and how to get people in in order to you know to do these celebrations and for your staff to be there, etc. So I know you must have. That is a phenomenal supposition. <laughs> I would imagine you needed a lot of cooperation from a lot of people, or you had to overcome a lot of non-cooperation from a lot of people in order to make this happen. The jury's happen. still out. The jury's still out, my dear friend. <laughs> uh, maybe one day we'll have a conclusion. And by the way, just one last point, because you alluded to it. One last point on the brand new Nefesh Benefesh Center. What do we call it, by the way? Headquarters, center, what are we calling it? 
We're calling it a campus, campus. because that's what. So one of the once th- you have like another, once yeah. you have two buildings, I think you're able to call it a campus. Right, and now I don't know the rules of. I yes. had to define a campus, but well, we're going to be that bold. Well, you and I have just established the rules, and now I will refer to it as the campus for now on. Uh, but <laughs> but it it must be uh, it must be nostalgic for you when you think back to the days when you actually did know the name of everybody in your building, because now you are being uh, uh, you're 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 walking around that building and seeing hundreds, if not thousands, on a weekly basis who are enjoying the campus. Yeah. So you may not have the intimacy of yesteryear, but you have uh, the amazing uh, satisfaction the of, of, of yeah. growth and accomplishment Absolutely. which is just amazing Absolutely. all right uh by the way how was parser schlock it's re- reminiscent of the time when i used to pe- ask people in australia if the yankees won that night since they're a day ahead uh, how, <laughs> how, how was parser schlock uh, last week in it Israel? was fantastic was it great <laughs> you know it was great that, you know that the majority of the people who are featured in parser schlock were not exactly in tune with the future of the jewish people being in the land of israel you realize that rabbi fess truth yeah it's truth is right sometimes we have to remember that by the way uh i'm not gonna call out anybody on this uh, conversation but sometimes we have to remember that that in but e- i might that <laughs> that even in the key generation the key generation in the history of the jewish people the generation that's known as the generation talk about the greatest generation in our history i think they're known as the greatest generation and the majority of the leaders at that time uh, did not have the affinity toward the land that caleb and joshua did uh yeah. but anyway that's just my own little uh Torah this morning. Rabbi Fast, we always turn to you. Give us a thought. Give us a thought for Shlach 5782 as we get set to read it in the diaspora this Shabbat. I'm going to try not to have a tirade. I'm not going to follow your lead, but uh, I'll share a thought. I'll share a thought that I had last Shabbat that I would like to try to convey to to you and to, to the listeners. The, the Kutzker Rebbe on Pasha Shlach, uh, specifically regarding the sin of the spies, relays a very important lesson, an important axiom, that everything that is not a lie is not necessarily the truth. That not saying sheker, not lying, does not automatically mean that one is being truthful. And he explains that the Miraglin, the spy sin, not because they lied, but because they isolated certain truthful facts from the entirety of their experience of their mission. They selected, they carefully chose, they cherry-picked facts and actualities from their experience to paint a very different, biased, slanted, prejudiced narrative. Last Shabbat, at one of our meals, I I tried an experiment. I, I shared and described the following scenario, a memory. I said, I once had a fast day. I fasted the whole day. And then when it was time to break the fast, I was whisked away and couldn't break my fast for hours later. And to add to that misery, I was wearing a very uncomfortable suit, which was irritating me the whole evening. And I asked the table, I said, how would you describe the day? And unanimously in unison, they all replied that it must have been a horrible day. I said, in response, in actuality, this was one of the best days of my life because it was my wedding day. So I said, the fast, you know, was a traditional fast of the wedding day. And my tuxedo, which I hated, was very uncomfortable. (laughs) My point was to demonstrate that it is misleading, reckless, and sometimes dangerous to describe and to share isolated moments of an episode. The Radak with David Kimchi reaches the same conclusion of the Kutzker Rebbe, but albeit a few hundred years earlier, 
through analysis of a certain Pasuk in the Parsha. The Pasuk reads, They brought forth to Bnei Yisrael a report on the land. And the Radak points out that the verb used is Vayotzi'u, which literally means to extract, to take out, instead of the, wor- of the verb Vayaviu, that they brought over the message of their travels to the nation. The sin of the spies is that they extracted, extracted elements, highlights from the greater picture to slant a certain narrative, to create an implied negative description resulting in a very undesirable account. Unfortunately, Nachum, you and I both know this because we talk about this so often that I don't think we've learned the lesson of the sin of the spies of the Chaitamaraglim. So many individuals, unfortunately, so many communal leaders extract isolated negatives to dissuade, to discourage, to dampen the greatest gift and the greatest miracle of our generation. Sometimes these negatives are, are truthful and unpleasant, and sometimes, Rahmana, they're unsubstantiated. And instead, they should be communicating the larger picture, the full content, the full embrace of the undeniable fact that our generation has been gifted a miracle. And the indisputable fact that one, as a person, as a people, can only live their lives to the fullest, to the fullest as Jews in our home, as a people in our homeland, and a nation in our Tzenu HaKtosha. is an extremely, extremely important lesson for us to tell the entire story to tell the entire narrative. Because if we do, it will inspire thousands and thousands to have that visceral emotional connection, a palpable connection to our homeland. And in this era, when when anybody, anybody has the capability of influencing hundreds and thousands, it's, it's incredible uh, with social media, how you know somebody can gain a following, and then all of a sudden there's a ripple effect. Uh, you know, it just the, the ball rolls downhill and just keeps gathering moss in terms of followers and in terms of those who take what they say seriously. There's such an opportunity if one is responsible enough. Such an opportunity to have the influence that you just described. And by the way, I want to mention a couple of things. The first is, I don't know if you would have said this 25 years ago, and what I mean by that is not the times have changed. But when you know, in, in in some of what you've dis, some of what you've just said, you have discovered again and again and again in your leadership role with Nefesh Benefesh. And if you were not one hundred percent sure about the attitude of certain people, I don't think you would you would say it, and certainly would not say what you said publicly. But after all these experiences, and after time and time again, seeing how communal leaders do what you just described, you are comfortable, I'll say in quotation marks, bringing this to the attention of the public. And uh, th- I think that's... I don't think I'm comfortable. Right. I think I'm, I'm painfully sharing a reality. Right. But the, you know what Dangerous I meant. Reality. You know what I meant that you're willing. Yes, you, I know what yes. I know. I'm just. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> that you're willing to do it. <laughs> I know. I know if the transcript of this comes out, you're worried about what people might say. And no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding around. And the other thing is that um, the, the look. You visited me at. A, I mean, you know, the timing was great. Frankly, 
I needed I needed my friend and my friend was there and, and, and you were thankful that God put you in a position where you happened to be in America for a day, which was amazing. And one of the things you said to me that day was you you come back to the New York to New York and it's a different city. You come back to the United States, it's a different country. Uh, you come back here and the appeal, the um, the life that so many of us have you know have been trying to cling on to because it's so amazing, this golden of Medina uh, is not the same as it used to be. So now, today, as you describe, when people, you know, don't tell the entire narrative and make sure to toss in just how great things are here, I, I think it's important to remind people, you know, you think it's great here? Uh, you can't imagine how much greater it is in the Holy Land right now. And I don't think you would have said this as a kid. I don't know if you would have said this five years ago. But today, I think you can comfortably say that uh, that life in general for everybody, individuals and families, is much, much better in the state of Israel than likely anywhere else in the world. Truth, but even not, that's where we belong. Yeah, I get it. But sometimes people like myself need to, you know, wake up to reality, and hopefully that reality will force them to get to Israel faster. And then so. this year, when you're joining us on, on a charter flight, we'll have Stacy surprise you on the other side, and then we can just finally do your documentation, and we'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is against the off-air Rabbi Fass, who has a different plan oh, for Oh, I me. am so sorry. I'm so sorry. We will edit this. I hope there's like a 15-second well, delay. No, no, this is, this is fine. I'm just, I'm just pointing out to the listeners that the Rabbi Fass on the air speaks a little mm. bit differently regarding my future plan than the rabbi fast off the air that's all I'm saying. that is so true so yes, you know yes, but yes, uh, absolutely. yeah absolutely i love Look, you dearly uh, you you can't imagine i mean uh, I, i'm telling you i this now this is the hard time for me because i can't let go my brother is on the phone i i i can't, I can't just say goodbye and god knows the next time we're going to speak i have to hold on a little longer we're speak in a few days from now <laughs> I would hope. I would hope so. And if I do make it to Israel, please God, in July, because your charter flight, please God, will be in August. If I make it in July, I hope to visit the campus and see the incredible. I mean, remember, you know, I I was there uh, a couple of times, but at the at the very beginning. Now, just just the the vibrancy and the excitement and and the 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 uh, the energy that it seems is coming from that campus is is amazing, and I can't wait to visit and feel all of that. And oh, and I, let me remind everybody those who have been inspired by this, whether it was your Dvar Torah about Parsha Shlach, and by the way, you love the years when you could do this at your Shabbos table and then do this for us a week later. It's so convenient. Oh, it's the dry runs, <laughs> I love it. It's so convenient. Um, those of you who have been inspired, it's nbn.org.il nbn.org.il or 8664-ALIYAH 866-4 and then A-L-I-Y-A-H let's, uh, let's add to the number of people who have said to me over the years that one of the reasons we're in Israel is because of this program. I cannot be any more enthusiastic about encouraging people to get there. And yeah, we, everybody's got their plan, including us. And, uh, and I hope that, that everybody plans to, uh, in fact, uh, be in Israel as soon as possible. I used, to, I used to always tell people, you know, plan a trip to Israel every month because then you'll end up going once a year. And, and um, our, our beloved friend, Rabbi, Rabbi Mordechai Grumberg, who lives in Harnof, would always say to me, you always have to have a plan. Just make sure the plan is on the table. If it doesn't work out, you move on to the next plan. But there can't be a time when there is no plan. So, Rabbi Fass, hopefully this will encourage more and more people to actually have a plan. And I take this opportunity to, to encourage you to think of us while you're reading uh, the next Parsha, and we're still on Parsha Shlach in this disconnect that we describe between Israel and 
and the diaspora, and I cannot wait for this 14-week discrepancy to finally be over, frankly, because I think we need to be in sync as opposed to what you described as out of sync earlier. And I can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you, my dear friend, and all the best. He is the founder, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, and has facilitated tens of thousands of people to make Aliyah in the last quarter of a century, and that tradition just continues. The numbers are growing. This summer is going to be amazing, and I'm already feeling... I'm already feeling that ground floor energy that I felt years ago when I first met Rabbi Fass. Once we get once we get back to Israel on a regular basis and once we get an opportunity to encourage more and more people to hop aboard uh, this incredible Aliyah bandwagon, uh, this is just going to continue to have a massive ripple effect and those numbers are going to get higher and higher and higher speaking of numbers you know the number 8664 aliyah 866 number four and then a-l-i-y-a-h or nbn.org.il nbn.org.il you're listening to a thursday morning parsha schlach edition of jm in the a.m